All right, we're gonna we're gonna hop in. Um, so I'm talking about discipleship as a lifestyle uh, in this training, okay? And so uh, what Ian just talked about about being a spiritual leader, okay? What what that really means for us as Christians is that we are all called to make disciples. Okay, we all know that. And so we're just gonna look at a couple things really quick. We Ian just went through some of these. So if you turn to Matthew 28, that first little bullet point there is all believers are commanded to disciple others. Okay, all believers are commanded to disciple others. Let me turn to Matthew. Actually, can I, when someone gets there, can you just stand up and read it really loud for us? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Just whoever, you know. There you go, Jared. 18 through 20. 18 through 20, yep. All right, I might come back to this verse a little bit. Um, if you're in this room, I trust that you've heard this, these three verses before, okay? If you haven't, uh, just come talk to me afterwards. I can give you a more breakdown. But I'm going to trust that everyone in this room has heard these verses. But we have to start off with this. It's a command to make disciples. It's not an option. Okay, so if you are a Christian, the call for your life is to make disciples, okay? And now you guys have an opportunity this summer where you literally have a position called disciple leader or team leader, okay? But that's not what we're really talking about in this talk. We're talking about that your life as a Christian would be the point of it is to make disciples. And not just this summer, okay? But for the rest of your life, if you're a Christian, you should be trying to get trained and equipped so that way you can disciple other Christians for the rest of your life, okay? So it's a command for all Christians. And then secondly, all believers are called to multiply, all believers are called to multiply their life. Turn to 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And when we get there, if someone could stand up and read it as well, that'd be awesome. Anybody? Just whenever you're there. And you uh, 2 Timothy 2, 2, one verse. There you go, Jared. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses is trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. All right. I'm going to come back to this verse, okay, but just laying the, 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 uh, the groundwork for this talk, okay? Here it is. The goal this summer is not to equip your students to walk with God, okay? That is true. But it's, it's to equip them to walk with God and teach them everything you know. Why? So they can pass it on to the next person. Okay? The goal this summer is to raise up disciple makers, not just disciples. We, we don't want people to walk away from this summer thinking what it means to be as a Christian is all I have to do is read my Bible and pray and just kind of stay by myself. But no, what it means to be as Christian is I love God and I make God known and I disciple younger Christians to do the same thing. 
Okay, a Christian is commanded. We're called to multiply our life. We're trying to you guys are trying to multiply your life into the people that are in uh, your rooms this summer, which is why spiritual leadership is so important. Right. Like I agree with Ian 100 percent more is caught than taught. They're going to look at your life. Right. And they're going to model it. But your job this summer is to multiply, to teach them that one day they would be teaching others how to walk with God. Okay, so that's all just kind of way of hopping into this. I know you guys know that, but really what I want to spend the bulk of my time is talking about these five qualities of excellent discipleship. But let me give you just a simple definition of discipleship. Should be up on the screen for you. Discipleship simply is a more mature believer mentoring a less mature believer to love God and to make him known. Okay, a more mature believer mentoring a less mature believer to love God and to make him known, okay? I know, I have no doubt, at least you should, you should have some humility in your heart this summer. You're like, man, what if I don't know this answer, right? Like, what, what if I'm not ready? What, maybe I just came, a lot of you probably just came to Christ within the last two years of your life. It's like, am I really equipped to teach other Christians how to walk with God? And the answer is absolutely. Why? Because there's always someone that's just a little bit little bit less mature than you are okay that's not saying that you guys are the most mature bunch in the world okay i'm sure you are i'll get to know you this summer okay you can prove me wrong right but you are a little more mature than people that are coming to project for the first time right you're, you're a little bit further along maybe you're only two years along in your faith but there's going to be people on project who are only a month long in their faith right so discipleship is not hey once i get it all figured out then I'm going to teach other Christians the things that I know. It's no, if I have anything to offer, just the little bit I had to offer, I'm just going to do my best to pass that on, to pass that on so that they can pass it on. And then as you grow and as your skills uh, increase and your training increases, then that you're, what you can pass on increases, okay? And so discipleship is just a more mature believer mentoring a less mature believer, but specifically to love God and to make him known. Not just to love God, not just to read their Bible, not just to pray, but to make him known and to make disciples. That's the goal of discipleship, okay? If we stop at, I just want them to read their Bibles, we're stopping short of the biblical command of discipleship. No, it's that they would multiply as well, okay? So let's look at these. The five qualities, if you guys want your discipleship with the people in your room this summer to be excellent, these are the five simple qualities that you should Strive after. The first one is this. Be repetitive. Be repetitive. Okay. Martin Luther, he has this quote. He says this. We must constantly beat the gospel into our own heads and into the heads, uh, into other people's heads. Okay. That this goal this summer is not to, okay, hear me say this, is not to tell them every single thing that you possibly know in your brain about the Bible. That's not the goal of this summer. Okay, the goal this summer is to repeat gospel foundational truths, the wheel diagram over and over and over again, that you would be that you'd be reading it, that you would be praying the gospel, that you'd be sharing the gospel, that in your conversations when you're hanging out at Sonic or whatever you guys do at night in Orlando, I don't know, I'm going to figure that out and I'm excited. Okay, at Tampa, we went to Sonic that we'd be talking about the gospel, right? The best thing you could do this summer, hear me say this, is not fill up their minds with as many Bible verses as you can, but that they would walk away with the summer. And if someone said, what is the gospel that they wouldn't even have to hesitate and they would tell you the gospel. And then if you said, what is the gospel and how does it apply to your life today? That they would be able to tell you instantly how it changes the way that they live, 
the way that they talk to people, the way that they look at people, that the gospel would be the main thing. Okay. Second, so be repetitive with the gospel. Second, be interactive. Be interactive. What I mean by this is that the best kind of discipleship is dialoguing and question and answers. Okay. It's not teaching. Okay. The best form of discipleship. Now teaching, hear me say this, is very important. Okay. But also hear me say this. Here's what the people in your room don't need from you this summer. Another sermon. That's not what they need from you. Okay. They, they are getting sermons all the time on Project. They're hearing talks. They're hearing sermons from St. Andrews. They can get on the internet and hear the greatest preachers that ever lived at any moment and look up sermons. They don't need yours. Okay. I'm just, just sorry. They don't need another one of your sermons. Here's what they don't get from the people online. They don't get people in their life asking them questions. Man, how did this apply to you? How, how did what you just heard on Sunday morning, how can you start implementing that in your life? Let's do that together, right? That your discipleship would be uh, interactive, that it wouldn't just be teaching. It would be, hey, let's talk. Let's massage this truth into our life. What does this actually look like when we go back to campus to apply what Seth just said at the weekly, at the rally, right? That's your guys' goal this summer. Third, be intensive. Intensive, okay? What I mean by this is be life on life. Okay, this is what we mean by life on life discipleship. Be intensive. Uh, it, that means to be intense, okay? That doesn't mean be like overwhelming, right? But to be intentional almost, right? To, here, here, here would be a mistake with your people this summer. You just assume that they're growing because they're at Project. You just assume that they heard the, tra- the, the talk on, on Sunday night or Monday night or whatever it is, and you assume that they understood it the same way you did, and they're going to apply it the same way that you're going to apply it, right? What it means to be intensive is to be in their life. This is the best form of discipleship. You guys know this from being back at campus, okay? The best form of when people really change and get it and grow is usually not during the 8 to 8 talk. When is it? It's afterwards when you're talking to them or when you have them over to your house or to your dorm room and you're living life together, or maybe it's over a meal, right? Or you're playing a sport together or whatever it might be. Those are the times when discipleship really, really matters, okay? It's intensive. It's not just, hey, they're here. They came to everything this week, so that means they're definitely growing. No, it means that my job as their leader this summer is that I just get to help, I get to be with them. I get to live life with them. I would challenge you guys, don't just run off and hang out with your friends that you already have this summer. Okay, don't leave the trainings and then just go hang out with the friends that you had last summer and just leave your rooms to just do their own thing. Spend time with them outside of what's mandatory. Hang out with them, spend time with them. Uh, I'm not saying that there's not time for a break. I'm sure we'll talk about that more later, but don't just make it, hey, my, my disciple leader basically only hangs out with me when it's a project function, right? Go, go to coffee together, do things together this summer, okay? And the question is, why don't a lot of people do this? Why don't, why don't people, why, why, why are we so tempted not really spend a lot of time with our disciples? And the answer is because it's really hard uh, and it's costly, okay? It, it costs us a lot. It costs us our time, our comfort, maybe what we wanna do, right, in our free time. It's costly, it's hard, it's time consuming, but it is always worth it. It is always worth it to give up your time to help a younger Christian walk with God and to make him known. Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 
Could someone read verse, verse, uh, chapter 15, verse uh, 58 for us? Yeah. Nice and loud. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen. Man, this is a, if you don't have this verse memorized, you should. Okay, get this verse memorized before you get to project this summer, because there's going to be a lot of times where your thought is my labor is in vain right now. (laughs) Like this guy, this girl is not listening to what I'm saying. Right. They just keep showing up late to the training or they're just not praying in the group or whatever it is. And you might feel like I'm just putting in all this effort. I'm spending all this time discipling this person, but my labor is in vain. That's not true. It's not possible, okay? God's word does not return void, Isaiah 55, 11. This promise here, your labor is not in vain if you're laboring for the Lord, right? So remember that this summer when it gets hard. Your labor is not in vain and God's word does not return void, okay? Fourth, effective discipleship, or excellent discipleship is transformative. Transformative. Okay, our, our discipleship goal should be transformation, not information. Okay, your goal for discipling the people that God has entrusted you this summer is not information, but transformation. Okay, that their lives would be transformed, that they would be changed this summer. That they would come in as one person and they would leave almost a new person, okay? They can't be a new person if they're in Christ already, right? But a new person in the sense that a newfound love and devotion for Christ and his word. A newfound commitment to the local church. A newfound desire to tell people about King Jesus. We want to transform students' lives this summer, not just give them a bunch of information. Which is another reason why point number two is so important, the interactive. Not just giving them another sermon, that's just more information. But talking to them, how can you apply this? How can we as a group apply this to our life this summer, okay? Um, What I would encourage you to do, an example of this, okay, is that we want to model for them that the things we're doing this summer is not just because we're here on project, okay? A great example of this is evangelism, okay? I want to challenge you guys. I have no idea. I have no idea what evangelism was like last year. We weren't there, okay? But I want to challenge you guys in this room to set the pace with a culture of evangelism this summer. What I mean by that is this, that you share your faith all the time. It doesn't matter if it's e-training day. You're at the grocery store checking out and you have two of the people with you in their room and there's a person standing behind you and you strike up a conversation with them to share the gospel. You don't tell your disciples first, right? You don't plan it out. You just do it. And they get to watch you see, man, what it means to be a Christian is that we are intentionally telling people about Jesus. It doesn't matter when it is. It doesn't matter if I have to, but we want to, right? We want to see people's lives transformed. And one of the main ways we do that is we just model it for them outside of the trainings, outside of the project functions to live a life that say, no, I'm not just doing this for camo. I'm doing this because I love Christ. And this is a lifestyle. This is what my life looks like, right? My, my example of this is when I became a Christian at SEMO, uh, I was living on the fifth floor of Towers East, okay? And uh, you, you all, yeah, yeah, or no, okay? Uh, the green tiles, baby, I don't miss them. Uh, the, and so anyway, the UIS dorms are nicer, that's another story. Um, but I remember I came to Christ, okay? And without anyone having to tell me, I knew that Christians shared the gospel. I knew that's what they did. I didn't know anything else about the Bible. I knew nothing. Joey could test. I knew literally nothing. 
But I, every Christian I knew shared the gospel with people. I just saw them, I saw them knock on doors and invite people to lunch and tell them about Jesus. And so that's what I did. I just started. I just started sharing the gospel. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no trainings. I didn't have the bridge diagram down. I, you know, it's like I knew nothing, but I knew that's what Christians did. And so from the get-go, from day one as being a Christian, I was trying to tell people about Jesus. That's what we're trying to uh, multiply into our students. I'm not just evangelism, but all of the, the spiritual disciplines, right? That this is a lifestyle as a Christian, okay? And then fifth, the best discipleship is always Christ-centered. It's always Christ-centered. I kind of said this at the beginning, okay? But you guys ever heard the acronym KISS, right? Keep it simple, stupid, okay? That should, you should memorize that too this summer, okay? First Corinthians 58 and then the KISS acronym are the two things you should memorize. Uh, but no, but it really is, it's just a simple principle that's really true, right? You don't have to break the bank. You don't have to come up with these complicated, really hard answers. It's like, man, here's what the gospel is and here's how it applies to your life. To rehearse the gospel in the word, in prayer, in singing the gospel, even in your rooms this summer, just doing worship yourself. I don't know if I've ever really even seen that. I would challenge you guys worshiping when not everyone's around. Singing a couple songs maybe just in your room before bed that focus on the gospel, right? Trying to rehearse the gospel into their life this summer is literally the best thing you could do for them. It's the best thing that you could do that they would leave this summer knowing the gospel and what it means for their everyday life, okay? So if you flip to the back, We're going to go through, um, Keegan's going to touch on this a little bit, CJ's going to touch on this a little bit, so I'm going to kind of just lay the foundation for uh, a couple keys of life-on-life discipleship, and then you're going to apply everything that we're about to say on this back sheet in your groups immediately, okay? And so here's the two keys to have life-on-life discipleship. The first one is you need direction, okay? You need direction. So much discipleship is just like, who knows what's going to happen? It's like, we're just going to sit down and read this book and just see what happens this summer, Right? No, we want to be direct. We want to be intentional. We want to know where we're going. We want to know where, where does God want to take this person and how do we get them there? Okay, we want to be directional this summer. Okay, and so the three questions that you can think through and should think through when you're thinking about the people in your room this summer are this. First one, where am I taking them? Okay, or a better way of saying this, it's not on there, okay, is where does God want them to be? It's not where you want to take them. Where does God want them to be? Right. Where does God want this person, say, Susan? Okay, we'll just pick on Susan. Okay. Where does God want Susan to be in relation to prayer by the end of the summer? Right. Where where does God want CJ to be in evangelism and in his skills and his confidence by the end of the summer? Right. That's where you have to start. Where does God want them to be? Where am I trying to take them? Number two, where are they at now? Where are they at now? Okay. so this is where I'm trying to go. But where are they currently at? Okay. Right. So maybe if we go to CJ in evangelism, it's like by the end of the summer, I want CJ to be able to confidently share the gospel with someone right now. He's never shared the gospel with anyone in his life. That's where he's at right now. Okay, that's important to know. It's important to know why, because of step number three, what is the next step? What is the next step? Okay. and really important here is this. What is the best next step? There's a lot of next steps you could take. Right. But if I'm trying to help CJ grow in evangelism and he's never shared the gospel before in his entire life and knows no tools or no verses to do it, the best next step is not to say, hey, go get it. Let me know how it goes today and just send him off. 
That's not the best next step for him, okay? We're gonna, come, we're gonna explain what might be the best next step, but what is it? And just focus on that one thing, just one tangible thing that is going to move them forward towards where God wants them to be. Does that make sense? Just one step at a time, one thing at a time. Don't try to focus, man, this guy needs help with everything. So I'm just gonna give him you know, eight different applications today, and he's gonna go try to work on every area of the wheel diagram this week. It's just probably gonna overwhelm people. Pick one area that would be helpful to that you've noticed when you get to know these people uh, that they could grow in the summer and then start working towards it. And just what's the best next step? And then reevaluate. Come back to these questions. Okay, now where are they at? Now what's their next best step now, right? And so just keep coming back to this, okay? And so how do you do this? How do you apply uh, all these things? It's number two, secondly, the second key of life on life discipleship is called the training language. Uh, I don't really know why it's called the training language, but it is, okay? Um, this is so helpful. If you do this and apply this and think through this, you will be an effective disciple maker. Okay, this is so helpful. Okay, so when you're thinking about, okay, we'll, we'll take CJ and he doesn't want to share his faith as an example. I'll just keep running with it. Okay, so what do I do? What do I do if I have a guy like CJ who's never shared his faith, doesn't know the bridge, doesn't know any verses, is, maybe isn't even convinced that you should share your faith as a Christian? Where the heck do you start to get him to the point by nine weeks from now he's sharing the gospel with people, okay? First, you do it in front of them. You model it. We just talked about this, right? Uh, Ian talked about this verse, so I won't really touch on it, but Mark 1.35, uh, that Jesus, and he was rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, and he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, everyone's looking for you. He, he modeled before them prayer, the importance of prayer. And he doesn't care that people are looking for him. He doesn't care that things are going on in his life. He needed to have communion and fellowship with his father. He modeled it, okay? So we want to do it in front of them. So my first step was he would be, I would take him, maybe not on e-training day, to like some, you know, somewhere in Orlando to a coffee shop, and I would just strike up a conversation with a stranger. And that might be uncomfortable for you. But what it means to be a spiritual leader is I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have to do that. I have to do that, why? For his sake. So that way he will multiply his life. So I strike up a conversation, I share the gospel with someone and they just see, man, CJ did this, it's not even e-training day. You know, maybe there is something, maybe I can do this, right? And they got to watch and listen to how you shared the gospel, right? So you get to model it and they get to see how you did it, okay? Second, you wanna teach them why. You wanna teach them why. Uh, we're not going to go there just for the sake of time, but in Matthew 9, and you guys know this passage very, very well, I, I trust. Matthew 9, 36 to 38, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, okay? And then he tells his disciples to pray for more laborers. But in verse 36, he explained why. He, he explained why they needed to pray for more. He didn't just say, hey, we're just going to pray for laborers. He explained why. He said, look at all these people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's why we need to pray for more laborers. So teach them why, that. don't assume that people just agree or know why we should even do certain things as Christians. Teach them why, teach them why we are called to share our faith, teach them that it's a command, teach them uh, God's method of reaching the world for the gospel, right? So teach them why. Um, second, okay, uh, or third, show them how. Show them how, this is the Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, this is teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Okay, so what you have, teach them, right? Again, preferably not in the form of a sermon, in a conversation, in life, as you're living life, but teach them. Teach them how to share the gospel 
in this example. I would teach CJ how to share the bridge, right? Here's what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't give him a three-year-long course on apologetics, okay? I'm just gonna teach him maybe one thing, just one simple tool that he would get down so well that by the end of the summer, he doesn't have to look at his notes and he could go up to anybody and share the bridge diagram with them, right? Right now, he's not sharing the gospel with anyone. If he was doing that by the end of the summer, that'd be awesome, right? And so it's teach them, teach them what you know. And if you don't know, that's okay. There's other people on project that you could ask. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to, to be like just making up stuff on the spot because someone asked you and you're a D leader, right? It's okay to say you don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know, but I know someone knows, you know, I'm gonna go talk to this person then find out, okay? So teach them, uh, show them how. Uh, fourth, do it with them. Do it with them, okay? Like a kid learning to ride his bike for the first time. I don't know any parents. Okay, that the first time their child was trying to learn how to ride a bike, put them on the bike and then went back inside. Okay, I've never seen that happen, right? That would be a disaster, right? No, a kid learning to ride his bike, he needs help and their parents do it with them for a while, right? But they get on the bike and they try. They get on the bike and they try and they try and they try and eventually you get to a point where you're riding the bike and you're texting and you're eating, you're drinking a Slurpee and all these things like you're going to school. It's like, how did this happen? At one point, I couldn't even get on the bike without falling off, right? But now I'm doing it with such confidence. You had someone help you. You had someone do it with you, but they, you, what, here's what your parents don't do. They don't get on the bike for you, right? And then just have you sit on their lap for the, until you're 18, okay? They teach you how to ride the bike, but they do it with you, right? That's the principle here. So do it with them. So again, now I've taught CJ why, I've taught him how, but I'm not just gonna immediately be like, all right, now go do it, have fun, let me know how it goes. I'm gonna go with them. Hey, we're gonna go do this together. We're gonna go do this together, and you know, maybe I'll participate in some of the conversation, but really I want you to give it a go, right? Uh, an example of this, there was a student on project when I was on staff at SIBO who was terrified to share his faith, and, um, and now he shares his faith literally all the time, and it's awesome, okay? But he was terrified. And uh, we were at the beach one day, and he was just like, man, I just can't do it, and so I pulled him aside, and we just talked, I was like, man, it does not matter what you say. As long as you say the gospel, God's word does not return void. Just take a step of faith and try. And so we walk up to this person. I don't know if I'm going to do it. We walk up to this other, uh, this, uh, this, like, it was a dad and a, and a son. And I was just like, hey, my friend wants to tell you something. And I just looked at him. And, uh, and so I was on staff at that time. So, you know, don't, maybe not do that with your room leaders. Okay, unless you have a really good understanding of because they might hate you for a while. Okay. But he needed that. And then he just literally just rambled for like 10 minutes. Didn't breathe, I don't think. Uh, and just poured out the gospel. Uh, and we got done and I mean, the guy asked good questions. We had this really good conversation and he got done and he was like, man, thank you so much for helping me do that. Now, in reality, it wasn't the best gospel pitch in the world. Okay, but now this guy is literally, uh, he's getting his graduate degree and he's leading multiple Bible studies just on his own with people that he's led to Christ and is helping disciple them, okay? And we just taught him, we just did it with him all summer, just to the point where we could pass it off okay, and that he would be able to do it himself, okay, and so do it with them, uh, and then, and fifth, keep them going, keep them going, so once you do it with them, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, you want to spur them on to keep going, okay, so now it, maybe after we have done it a few times together, I'm going to spur, and I'm going to actually challenge him to go do it, maybe not on his own, but like, hey, I'm not going to say anything, I'm just going to, I'm not going to say that you're going to initiate the conversation, you're going to share, I'm just going to be here for moral support, Right, so you're gonna encourage them to keep doing it. Don't just teach them a principle about evangelism or the word or prayer. 
and then just move on for the rest of the summer, right? Keep them doing it. Get a habit and consistent in their life, okay? And then lastly, help them multiply. Help them multiply. Like we just looked at, 2 Timothy 2, 2. The goal is not even that CJ would know how to share his faith. The goal is that CJ would know how to share his faith and teach others how to share their faith, right? 2 Timothy 2, 2. That's a four-generational verse, right? Uh, uh, if... If I go back there real quick, let's go to 2 Timothy 2.2. Just want you to see it in case you haven't. This is where I'll end. We'll break into our group. 2 Timothy 2.2. And what you have heard from me. So Paul, okay, to, uh, uh, to who he's writing to. Okay, Paul, uh, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men. So who he's writing to, you pass it on to someone else so that they will be able to teach others also. The fourth, okay? So the goal is that I'm teaching CJ to share the gospel so that way he would lead someone to Christ and be able to teach that person how to share the gospel and then that person would lead someone to Christ. That's the goal of multiplication, right? The goal of multiplication is that we're actually training up people this summer and you guys included to do the work of ministry, right? Yeah, it's great if you as the room leader can share the gospel, but how much more impactful, how much more powerful, how many more people could we reach with the gospel if everyone in your room knows how to share the gospel? Right. If everyone on project knows how to share the gospel and not just the staff. OK. And so those are the training languages. Do it in front of them. Teach them why. Show them how. Do it with them. Keep them going. Help them multiply. OK. So as you're thinking about those, always be thinking about those three directional questions. OK. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to break up uh, with your groups. OK. By tables. I have more sheets over there by Seth. We're going to pass those out in a second. OK. Uh, they have different scenarios. OK. And so we're going to all start on scenario one, okay? You're going to only get 10 minutes in your group because we're going to try to get through two or three of them, okay? 10 minutes in your group, you're going to read through the scenario, and then you're going to apply specifically the directional questions and the training languages to think through how can I help this person this summer. Make sense? All right, so split up. If you need to spread out a little bit more, that's okay. Split up with just your groups this summer, and we're going to hand out the sheets for you guys.